Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's Tuesday, February 23rd, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 376. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and joining me today, Patrick Klepek. That's too many numbers. Honestly, it is. Not. Sorry. Let's just let's just let's just wind it back. Let's All just right, wind start it back. <laughs> wow. Yeah, episode episode one. one. Here we go. Yeah. By Season two. We hit three seventy six. That reboot. was the finale. <laughs> right. That was it. We did a year, and now we're now we're starting. We even over. went on a short hiatus. We did do a hiatus. <laughs> we did. It's true. We're back now. I almost. I almost. Who's been recasted? Peter <laughs> Jackson's here replacing me. Not, no, not, still here too. Not much a recast. It's like in Buffy where they just added Don as a character in yeah. the explanation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm Don. I'm everyone's eventually. favorite. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Some, some, mm-hmm. yeah. God. Shout outs to Michelle Trachtenberry and the entire yep. cast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh huh. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Rob Zachney also here. Good morning. In a wonderful smoking jacket. See, I didn't say robe this time because you corrected yeah. me. Listeners at home do not understand it. how incredible Rob. I had to tell the story, actually. I was watching Batman the Anime Series. I've been watching a lot with David. And there is a character, is a minor villain in the Zatanna episode that looks exactly like Rob Zachney, especially now that he has a dressing robe. Incredible. <laughs> Oh, I believe. Oh it. no! Does does the guy wear a dressing gown in? Uh, yes, he in does. The Zatanna episode. God, I mean, I his name it. is Magnus Bane, so it's like I don't. I mean, Magnus Bane is also a character from Shadowhunters, the the television the television show and book series by the Harry Potter fan fiction author. What's her name? Cassandra Clare. Anyway, his name Weird. is Magnus. Great, fantastic name. I'm looking I'm for glad. a picture. Just I'm so very you know. glad. Um, also joining us, of course, Ricardo Contreras. Kato is still is still Hello. on the ones and twos. Yeah. How are you doing, Kato? All it's right. been a minute since we've done one of these yeah. because we didn't do one last week, and then our Friday shows have been have been the reset episodes, which I think we still have two more weeks of right this week and next week, Kato. I believe so. What what week um, is it? It's the 26th. Yeah, 26, and then yeah. the fifth will be the last. The last of those resets. Reset we'll be back panels. to a regular schedule after that. Um, so yeah, how's everyone doing? Everyone doing okay? It's been a minute since I've seen people. People living okay. No, I no fixed I fixed my back. Herniated disc. Not great. Oh, Ooh, got that worked out. Oh, is that are you good. all right now? Yeah, it, okay. it was a, it was minor. I I don't know what happened. It's the same way when I like had a uh, a hernia. Like some people have like a like an event they could point to. Like ah, did that shit and like screw myself done up that. and right. uh, don't know how I toured both hernias. Don't know. Most likely, I was just being irresponsible with like picking up the bowling ball of a child that I that I have. Um, <laughs> but fortunately, it was not. I just did yoga for like a month and a half. Although uh, side planks. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, fuck those. side planks. <laughs> those like, fuck side that. planks are fuck the side planks. Well, you just point to those. That sounds like you got your your cause right there. Ah, oh, side side planks, man. Like just like look them up. Um, try and do it for a minute, which is what I'm supposed to do. And the real test is going to be between seconds 45 to a minute. I know it. Every time I look oh, at that, yeah. I stare at my phone and I watch it. And like I hit 45, I'm like, okay, here we go. This is it. This is where the burn kicks in. But what, yeah. what I'm always seeking when I'm doing like yoga style workouts like that, where I have to hold a position or do an action that I really just hate doing for a long period of time is like, I need someone so annoying that I forget how much <laughs> I hate what I'm doing. <laughs> you need someone just to yell at you about something else irritating. You just gotta put on the, the <laughs> most like annoying YouTuber you can think of and yes. it'll be fine. Yes, you know? put on the annoying orange. Yeah, put <laughs> That's on the annoying orange. Your <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the one thing I miss about like organized sports is that there really is no substitution from the social pressure of being like, like you have to just keep running with I'll these people. Fine. Yeah, you can't yeah. drop out. And uh, if two, I stop running, they're going to be mad. <laughs> yeah, and, and also like I do kind of miss the whole like we're doing weight training and just hurling abuse at each other and like you know yeah. lifting heroic amounts of weight um, <laughs> but the problem is I'm like I could surely I could enforce that sort of discipline for myself like <laughs> I could power through three sets of eight uh, if I just like really put my mind to it Rob you and can't get your that. inbox under control you're not how are you going to be doing like weightlifting? yeah <laughs> God. <laughs> I have of, over uh, a thousand unread emails. I am not going to be able to manage myself at a weight <laughs> bench. No. Speaking <laughs> of hurling not. abuses at uh, at each other, BlizzCon was this weekend. Wow. And uh, they, there were some announcements. I feel like this is one of the weird things about not doing the show is like we also had a Nintendo Direct last yeah. week. The first one in 18 months or something ridiculous since not. I don't think it was that. Yeah, oh, dude, was it? it was. It wasn't 18, but it was 2019. Since the last was the last regular ass right. Nintendo Direct. They did a few. They did like one mini and then some indie worlds or whatever. But this is the Correct. first one in yeah that much amount of time that was a just oh, regular I ass. I didn't, I didn't realize it's just like the Direct. what is a what is a real Mario debate like? It's like hierarchies <laughs> of fucking Nintendo Directs. Like, yeah, no, 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 like no, no that shit ain't a real direct. Like, you know, unless I got Onuma snapping at me, it's not it's a real 40 direct. minutes versus you know every other one is like under. 30 you know and that's a big difference I have to say to my people. favorite moment of this direct was when Aonuma came out no, no. I was like you probably thought I had news about Breath of the Wild too. <laughs> no. I don't bye I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, so we should have, let's just real quick well, we were not going to do a rundown but like let's hit the direct and then we'll hit BlizzCon and anything people really want to shout out they can shout out um anyone Mario Golf I'm happy there's a new Mario Golf game I'm worried that the speed golf like, looks story, fun Speed Golf looks fun, but the thing that I want is like the Game Boy style long RPG campaign. Yeah, they do. I, I, I'm, I'm like, in yeah, Mario I wanted golf. like more details yes. on like, yeah, what is that mode? Like, there's a progression. Mm-hmm. There's like a single player. Like, yeah. but I like, yeah, I have not really played a Mario Golf since that Game Boy Color like juggernaut, mm-hmm. and like that's I just want them to make. Please just, just, just remake that, that game. Yeah. That's fine. Like, just like, it's, it's been 20 years. Like, yeah. let's just go back to that well. And char- you're going to charge me 60 bucks for Skyward Sword. I- I'd ha- rather pay 60 bucks for uh, Mario Golf RPG on from Game Boy Color. 100%. So maybe maybe that's what it'll be. It'll be good. We'll see. Um, other stuff. Uh, a Project Triangle Strategy. Uh, okay. uh, a game yeah. that they dropped a demo of that I think a few of us played. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Is the latest in their 2D HD series, which is a weird name to describe that look. Because that's not... I don't know how it's I would describe that look, like, but... 
it's just pixel art. You can just call it pixel art. It doesn't have. It doesn't yeah. make it less good to call I lo- it pixel I lo- art. No, I love. I love the branding of it. I want. I, I would, <laughs> it's so much fun. Well, one, it does like imply a certain thing. Like you see that come up, and you're like, oh shit. Okay, like I'm getting a certain type of yeah. game, and they're like, I, I would love to have been in the meetings where it's like. I mean, they sat down and like talked about this. Like, they're, they're, like just, this was on the books. Like, there was a conference call. Like, there was a Zoom meeting. I don't, I don't know how they're handling yeah. it. Uh, in, it just in Japan it sounds the moment, like the but. dudes from like WeWork made up, made it up. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like this sounds like it comes straight out of like startup culture at Silicon Valley, which feels very out of character for Nintendo. You think they call it something baked and soaked in nostalgia, and then it's two day two D HD. Right, and, and then the also called project tri- project triangle strategies. So like I don't yeah, it's out of the same bucket. <laughs> It'll probably change in the same, but only in the same way that Project Octopath became Octopath Traveler. Yeah, this is just going to be yeah. Octopath Tactics. It'd be like, okay, great, we just couldn't have done that to start. No, but I, like it's great. It's so much more fun that it's called Project Triangle Strategy. I keep I keep calling it in my it's head Triangle the Tactics, triangle right? Shirtwaist, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, which is a completely <laughs> different thing. That's a different thing. That's a That's very a different, different thing. thing. Well, we don't know where. Where this game goes in the end, yeah. there could be. Perhaps they use the scales of conviction to decide whether or not to start that fire. I don't know. There's a lot of fire in this demo, so <laughs> I did set fire to a town in this demo. Yeah. So, uh, and then I went the other. Then I saw the other path. So, so Triangle Strategy okay. is uh, is like a tactical RPG in the vein of something like Final Fantasy Tactics or Ogre uh, uh, Ogre Tactics, um, more so than or Tactics Ogre rather. Uh, uh, more so than something like Fire Emblem, I would say. Like, Fire Emblem gets really big maps. Um, it has a, a kind of zoomed out perspective and then, like, zooms in during, like, attacks. Um, and this feels more like something like Final Fantasy Tactics in terms of there being elevation to worry about. Um, it seems like there's a ton of jobs or classes associated mm-hmm. with everything. And tonally, it feels more like Tactics, Final Fantasy Tactics, than than Fire Emblem, which is, like, jokey and pop cultural in many ways and mm-hmm. like much more like anime in the kind of that the the kind of fun loving shonen shoujo space you know um i mean we don't see much of the plot in this demo but i would argue that maybe broad strokes politically in the political uh sort of structure of the world that we're in or at least the world that we see in the demo that yeah. does remind me a lot of fire emblem three houses I think that there is, there is, yeah, there are three main kingdoms and there are like, that stuff is there totally. Um, You're not wrong. I mean, the triangle is in the name, right? Yeah, exactly. And like the triangle is about both the fact that there are three powers and also that like there are three philosophies of like utility, liberty, and and equality that you can pursue. They really just wanted to do liberty, fraternity, egalite, but they didn't do it. (laughs) Utility instead, yeah. And I think tonally it's not... I don't want to say that it is Game of Thrones, but I want to say that they use bend the knee like eight too yeah. many fucking oh times in this God. demo. <laughs> so I wrote an article at Kotaku about the weird writing style and like it's of Octopath Traveler, which yeah. is um, a, a very clearly like it's a choice the way that they're writing the medieval style dialogue, but it is incredibly inaccurate to how people talked in those times. Uh, to the degree that I had to call my mom, who like <laughs> knows Middle English and like will recite 
like uh, Beowulf, Beowulf in Middle English as a party trick to t- explain <laughs> to me exactly what was wrong with it. Uh-huh. And it has a lot to do with like pronoun usage. People think that thee and thou are, are formal pronouns, but they're informal pronouns. So uh, hmm. that's why God uses thee and thou to refer to you. And you do not use those w- words to refer to God. <laughs> like uh, there's a lot better in this, but you can see the same kind of like lazy shortcuts in the way that the the dialogue is adapted into English, uh, where it's the bend the knee thing was really really irritating, but it's also just like instead of saying jail, they they write it G A O L. Yeah, they do. They do like yeah, yeah jail. The way that it would yeah jail. <laughs> you could just jail. write Likewise, jail. Likewise, um, <laughs> they also use domain instead of domain. They use D E S M E N E. You know, classic like, classic. I care about castles shit. <laughs> Um, if you want to go all here, the way, I'm sitting here. Rob like, yeah, is like, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, super, super affected and weak, huh? That. Uh, if you want to go all the way, Crusader Kings, there's nothing stopping you. But there's actually like a lot of research and a lot of historical details you have to get right if that's what you want to do. If you totally. want to go halfway, you have to decide how much halfway. And I feel like they don't know what tone they're trying to strike here. Yeah, I mean, so, it's a, like I say, I think it's a much. It takes itself much more seriously than something like Fire Emblem. The basic gist of it is like, you know, you're getting t- there's two battles in this, but there's a lot of other conversational stuff throughout um, basic premise. Hey, there's three kingdoms. One of them decides to to roll hard on on one of the other ones, despite there being a, a an allegiance. Um, they've cooked up some reason to, to justify a betrayal. They uh, kill one of the kings. Another king kind of falls ill. And now the, the kind of kingdom is, is, is not sure what it wants to do um, because there is a, you know, there's a young prince who the, this now invading empire wants, wants to take off your hands, who you're defending. You're a kind of a young prince of a smaller house. Um, the other two houses aren't necessarily aligned with what they want to do. And so you're getting like political drama. And the, the way that the game works is besides the battle mode, you're like bouncing around and almost seeing little monologues or short scenes. It's almost a theater like presentation in a sense because it's like all right here's a scene of this one house of the kingdom where the leader is monologuing about how he doesn't think that the kingdom stands a chance against this invading empire and so we should just give in and let's come over here and it's a it's a quick you know dialogue between this other the leader of the other house who's like we have to go down fighting you know that's the honorable thing to do okay now we're going to go over here and it's a different it's a completely different kingdom and it's people you know uh, uh, bickering and then and then kind of conspiring together and then we'll come to the main characters and then that'll be a little bit more of an involved scene in which main plot stuff moves forward. Um, And then that all builds to, I mean, you know, you escape a castle, you save this prince, you go to your castle and then you get your first big choice. And there's been like some dialogue choices in which again, you're picking uh, either the the egalitarian answer, the the liberty answer, or the uh, the utilitarian answer, and you're getting points for those along the way. Um, and I, from what I see, from what I've seen, you unlock new characters based on those points going up. Mm-hmm. I got a like a. Uh, uh, a shaman who like had a scene about bringing like the rain to local drought, you know, drought struck and farmers. Um, uh, but then it builds to you're in your castle. You have this prince. The empire is coming and is like, yo, give him over. And you have a choice to either give him over or not. Or actually what I should say is the room has the choice and mm-hmm. they're going to vote on it. And so you have a like an adventure segment where you go out into the world 
to learn information from like the townspeople about the town, about the situation at writ large. So for instance, you learn that they that there was a ransom on his head alive, which gives you the feeling that like, hey, maybe we could turn him over and he won't die and we'll feel better about that. Or you can say, hey, that means that, you know, we we uh, uh, if they want him alive, then maybe they're not going to like destroy the whole town and we're all going to fucking die because blah, blah, blah. Or you learn that there are fire traps hidden throughout the town, that the last king of this place built fire traps that will destroy the town, but could also defeat any sort of overwhelming incoming army if deployed correctly. Um, so you take that information, you go back and you use it to persuade the people in your court who are also in your party to vote the way you want them to. Um, uh, the first time through I voted to, I, and I persuaded people to vote to, to save this prince and, and, and not hand him over. And so the fight ended up being defending that town, um, which is when I set it on fire, um, <laughs> and killed a bunch of people. I mean, I, I didn't kill a bunch of, they made it seem like I was maybe killing people who were from the town. I don't think that's what no, I did. There was, no. there was, there was a small scene. There was where, an evacuation, right? Yeah. yeah. They, like, they like, had the sure. daughter and the, and the mother that you meet in that one house be like, oh, everyone's moving into the castle. Right. We got to go to the right. castle now. So they, yeah, they yeah. put all the villagers inside. It There's seemed ridiculous houses. to burn people alive, you know? Like, yeah. That seemed well, like a ridiculous ex- choice to <laughs> Except make. for the people who were coming at us with axes and shit. Burn them alive. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, I guess. You know. I also got my once, you know, the little spy unit you have who can, like, turn invisible? Oh, yeah. yeah. She was in the wrong place once. No. Oh, she got but they I like her. She's preview. good. <laughs> I, it was, she was on the edge, and she was in that cloak, and I was like, okay, is oh. she in, or is she? Let's just hit the trigger. <laughs> Bop. No. She's we won. Don't worry about it. No, I like not. her though. She's like the most useful thief character I've played in a tactical RPG. <laughs> She yeah. doesn't go down in one hit, and all of the things she does are useful and interesting. And also, that stealth ability is sick. It, it's, it just <laughs> it's very strikes good. me. This whole thing is the same problem though I have with Octopath Traveler, which is it's a wildly experimental and beautiful mm-hmm. way to tell a story that just appears to be conventional and boring as shit. I. Well, like- I you don't know? know. I don't know what they, you know. I think it pa- it passes one of the checks for me with a story like this, which is uh, the fuck that guy check. There's the dude <laughs> in this game who is like the the head of one of the three, not the big three houses, but like a lower three houses yeah. inside of one of these kingdoms, who is like not going to come help you because he's convinced there's no chance and he's going to just throw in with the big evil empire. Mm-hmm. And his monologue definitely made me go fuck that guy. So that's like that does pass that check. But I think you're totally right. That's like I I need it to be a little more fun in its writing or need to, or if it's going to be in this mode where it's like political monologues, it needs to be good. It needs yeah. to be like capital G good to compete yes. with other stuff in this fantasy space. And this that's is, hard. Th- yeah, this is the issue with the writing of Octopath and the writing of this game not really going beyond uh, being a pastiche of fantasy tropes that we already know about is mm-hmm. that it, it – you know, at the end of the demo, a character is giving a monologue about how everyone's always protecting him and how he needs to get stronger. And it's yeah. like the same exact monologue I've heard in anime and like fantasy fiction since I was a yeah. child. You know, this can't it's be. It's classic to the point but of not, being cliche yeah. at this yes, point, totally. you know, where I I can't I need the emotional beat to either be portrayed in a way that is so moving that I don't care that it's a cliche, 
or to break or acknowledge that cliche in some way. Because at this point, it, like, it seems perfectly fine if you, like, like this stuff. But for me, as a player that, like, is more interested in the tactical, you know, in the tactic-style gameplay, and also the mechanics of the, con- like, scales of conviction and all that shit, like, that yeah. shit rocks. That stuff I, rocks, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, like, it, like, rocks hard. Like, not just that, but, like, the play-esque, <laughs> like, depiction of how you, mm-hmm. like, I really love just being able to, like, to feel like an, um, like I feel like um, like the way that you always do in these tactics games is like you feel like a god watching down from third person, and they really leaned into that in the the way that it presents the story, which I love. It's just the story mm-hmm. sucks. Sorry, Rob, you had something to say. No, I just need to know more about the scales of conviction thing. Because you yeah. have to persuade people. So, it's like, good. I am curious, like, how is this handled mechanically, and does it mitigate some of these writing issues, or does it like exacerbate them? I think it mitigates it in the sense that it gives me something to hold on to. Like I'm in, I was invested in that vote, even though I don't give a fuck about the characters because I had a position on the vote. If that makes sense. Mm. I feel the same way in that once I was given something to do with the characters, once I was given something to do with these broad archetypes, that was more than just push them around or listen to them talk. I was Mm -hmm. suddenly invested in them. You know, I, I wanted to convince people to change their minds. And what I think the game does that's very clever is that it doesn't tell you what points you're getting when you choose options, and it doesn't tell you whether or not you've per- persuaded a character until after the vote is completed. Yeah. Like it will It'll say, move them into undecided, basically. Yeah. But that's it. Like you have like a list that's like, all right, they're voting for it, they're voting against it, undecided, and you can move someone from voting against it to voting or, or into undecided, but it doesn't tell you until yeah. it's fucking time to go. Yeah, this reminds me of good. something that. The Sims has been doing recently. So the Sims whole approach, I gave, I did an interview with uh, one of the producers for Snowy Escape, which is their Japanese and winter sport, extreme sports um, expansion. Ah, yeah, it was going to be things. the Olympics expansion, and then <laughs> well, they they built like a really cute Japanese town that is so mm. much like the town in um, in Terrace House from the season everyone loves where those two beautiful sure. people fell in love that it just feels mm-hmm. like a little bit like yes it was going to be Olympics but also a lot of people on the, on the staff are probably watching Tara's house um, <laughs> but in that's that research case, baby build that build those hours if you're, yeah. if you're working on the Sims and watching Tara's house that's, Seriously, that's your employer owes you for that that was research um, this is how <laughs> if you're a freelancer also anything anytime you have a meal and you talk about a business a topic of any kind, you can put that meal on your taxes. They will mm-hmm. not check. Anyway. Um, <laughs> also, in, it is work. That is work. That is work. Yes, that is work. Talking about work is work. Uh, making networking, that's work. Anyway, uh, this, welcome to Gita and Austin's Business Advice Podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> but going through in, it right now. Trust. In The Sims, uh, in Snowy Escape, they added this new thing called lifestyles, and you can unlock and obtain a lifestyle through having your Sim do certain actions over and over and over. But unlike other things in The Sims where they give you as much information as possible so that players can play, quote unquote, exactly how they like, lifestyles, they don't tell you what triggers them. And they don't tell you until you've unlocked them what benefits you might get from having them. You unlock them just by having your Sim live their life. And it makes the game really, really interesting and dynamic to have that information withheld from you. Yeah, I feel information like, is super powerful, it turns out. Yes, it turns out. And I feel like the greatest strength of this, of uh, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, is that they are keeping information from you. And that is always makes interacting with the game as a player way more interesting. I am curious that either of you, when you, when you went through these votes, 
about course of action where I like rather you ever surprised that like, yeah, it, OK, I, mm. I, I felt like I was going to get I felt like I had enough to get the win, but I actually managed to pull everybody my side, which from reading around is not the case. Generally. Does that change the outcome? Like does winning like. No, you just have to the, win you, the you have to win the vote. And if it's split because there's eight people, you get the deciding vote because it's your fucking castle. Um, so that is how that that is how that works. Uh, but but no one like at this point, no one left me. The the, the if I as far as I know, if someone voted against it and then they still, you know, went the other way. They wouldn't have left your party over it. You know what I mean? It's like a it's like a decision for the whole group. Do you when you're when you're sort of uh, both polling and persuading as you're going around to these different party members? Um, are you making commitments? Do you have to like make promises? Are you play a conversation not. game no, where I'm going to say I, the I right mean, thing to? I'm very curious to see this mapped out because I kept seeing people say that they couldn't get Hannah the spy to commit. And I thought I didn't get her either because I didn't have information for her. When I went around the town and tried to find all the information from talking to people and stuff, and I came back to her, her thing was still like locked. And I didn't know it would be locked until I started, I was in the conversation with her. There's basically like three options. And sometimes that third option is locked because you don't have the information for it. Um, And so I was like, I have to pick between these other two options. I'm just going to make the best case I can to try to speak to her philosophically. And I don't remember even what I picked at the time, but I expected her not to come over, but she did. And that made me wonder if are there contingencies around, hey, you've convinced this person and that has a knock on effect because it can convince someone else. You you can't convince person one, but if you can convince person two and they could start doing things like that. What I will say is the choice is very big in terms of what happens next, Rob. So while you're not making promises to the characters in the room, you are dramatically shifting what you did did after that. But Kata, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, they do mention that whenever you make decisions and that, and the scales pop up, that those things go into like background, like into background points. So there are some decisions earlier in the campaign that I think Mm -hmm. will affect whether or not you can push characters fully in that in that mm. final thing. That, that From what sense. I understand, That's it's scary. like, yeah, like it was like there's like secret stats. And whenever you make a decision, even if it's not one of these specific decisions in like earlier dialogue, it it yeah, it like it puts points. into. I guess right. it's one of those three uh, like the. And so maybe doing that is what opened the door for Hannah right. to be pushed at this yeah. point. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. So which when is all I, really interesting because so many times those sort of like in between like uh, like cutscene dialogue sort of like decisions are like this is just so you for you to express a small moment. But it doesn't actually change anything in like a large RPG mm-hmm. like this where like this feels like, oh, this is going to like a possibly affect many things as they Dude. kind of snowball down the road like yeah if they can take a, a wildly conventional fantasy story and just make it as complicated as possible uh-huh. interpersonally then i'll just be i will be on board like yeah, that's what right. i want yeah, that's right. what i'm desperately the, desperately asking for <laughs> so the thing of like okay we're going to protect him as you defend that town but if you hand him over it's effectively like becoming a puppet state of that empire wow. and the next mission instead of being about in my mind, I was like, okay, well, they're just going to cook up. The next mission is going to be the same mission. Maybe it's going to be on the same map. Maybe I'm fighting a different That's enemy what or something. Right. That's what yeah. always you happens. You have a choice, but not really. But not yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude. So the next <laughs> choice instead, the thing that happens is, um, again, there's you're, you're in a kingdom that has three main houses that report up to the king. There's one house that's kind of deeply loyal forever, and that's kind of the big the big farming center of of the of the you know uh, kingdom. And there's one that's like 
the guy is just a scumbag who instantly smells blood on the air. And he's like, I, yes, empire, emperor, <laughs> sir, I'm your man. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's the, the desert, the, the desert people who are very shady yeah, and uh-huh, have yeah, brown skin. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, the one of them, one of them join me. No, somebody else joined some, another, <laughs> another like bureaucrat type joined me. Um, but the, the inside of this house, inside of this, this, this kingdom with these, these three, ha- these three houses, mm. um, the, the really loyal one is set up in the protect the prince story to be like coming to, to help you afterwards. Like so impressed by your victory, he's going to ride across the kingdom and, and bring his forces to meet up with you. You've won his loyalty by proving that you're, that you're a true son of this kingdom. Uh, not so if you, if you hand the, the prince over. Instead, you were ordered by the emperor to go march on his lands. No. And you're like, I don't want to do what? that. I don't want to do that. He's good. We're both, we're bros. Like, you know, he, hopefully he understands that we handed over the prince so that we could protect our people. He has people. He understands this. We'll call him meet. And you have, and you call a meeting with him, and we get different monologues from the entire world. Every one of those little theater scenes, or each one of those like little one-off things, is completely different than choosing to protect the prince because they're reacting differently. Like right. it's every every part of it is a distinct thing. There's no reuse outside of settings, right? Outside of like this is this this stage set, right? And then you get there to do the meeting, and you're walking around his town beforehand the same way that you did in your own town to like to kind of reconnoiter it and be like, okay, well, there's these fire traps. In this place, it's like a six-tiered or like four-tiered like farm setup with basically ski lifts that take you up from the bottom path to like the third third tier. And it's all covered in dry wheat because it's the middle of the summer or it's like it's maybe it's a drought. So it's all just like, you know, stuff that's ready to be set ablaze. Mm. Um, and during the after this, you're like, all right, time for this meeting. And we cut to him in his, like, throne room, basically. And someone's like, you know, sire, bad news. The Empire is here from the north. And he immediately is like, oh, this is a betrayal. They're here as a pincer attack. The people who came here to supposedly meet me are actually not here to meet me at all. We're going to ride out to the field and meet them. Send our reserves to go try to halt the Empire. And you fight. And he, like, will not listen to reason, obviously. And you fight him to the death in his fields. And they all get caught on fire. He has flaming archers who shoot, or he has archers who shoot flaming arrows. Everything sets on fire. It, it reminds me a little bit of um, the Dort City trade post level of file Final Fantasy Tactics, which is like a nightmare early level where you have to deal with elevation and archers for the first time. That is just hell. Um, and again, I, I only watched someone play through this. I did not have to suffer through it myself, but it seems much harder than the the level that I played with like, very defensive traps that just aced people. Mm. Um, uh, and and you fight him and you kill him. And like you, that's it. Like you are again, from that perspective, it's like you want you want revenge on the emperor for killing the the king that, that you were loyal to. But maybe you'll get it down the road by being inside of the empire and trying to like get close enough to get that revenge. Whereas the other story is very much I'm building, you know, a huge, you know, uh, pushback army. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like. How much can they – I don't know. This is a demo, right? This yeah. is clearly what they want to build. But that's a big divergence, and I'm curious if that's to be expected. Yeah. I mean, I think in the past – they're walk that back. You know? What we've seen with games like Mass Effect that have said, like, your choices yes. determine the action. We found that to be – Limited by not just technology, but the structure of stories themselves. Yes. 
where, you know, if you kill the council in one game, well, I guess there's just a different council in the next one because we need to have an antagonist here. The council has to exist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or I guess the thing I could imagine is like Fire Emblem Three Houses has a ton because it has linear stories, but has three of them. And it has 80 hours of them in each thing, right? Right. Right. You have... You have one choice you make, and then you're kind of off on this trajectory. Yeah. Uh, I suppose you could, if you change the structure, you could say, well, you know, there's the same amount of content, but it just branches in all these weird ways. But it it becomes like you start you want to see the map, right? Like, what does yeah. your causality so map look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, but it sounds God, this sounds so. I'm. Good. I would love for you to play this demo just to see some of the tactics. We even talk about like I think the tactics are the pretty tactics good. The tactics is there's, really good. There's like good um, backstabbing and like attack of opportunity and follow up attack stuff depending on unit. Placement. I'm looking at a screenshot. So, is it timeline tactics manipulation? Yeah. Like or yeah, turn there, order? you get you do get abilities to move people around the turn order using rare resources. Basic yeah. rare, you know, ability. Mm-hmm. You get like magic two whatever magic items. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. But it's a move priority system. It's not it is, all yeah. of us go. Then I'll, yeah, okay. it's not it's yeah, not yeah. I go you go or whatever. But I find um, really satisfying and really interesting about. The is that it does seem set up in a way that you are being urged into creating like chain reactions of attacks and counterattacks. Yes. Where um, the the AI will often try to surround your player character so that if you get backstab on one side, then the other character will do another attack, a joint attack on the other side. So you essentially get hit twice. There does seem to be a system like a, you know, a a standard rock, paper, scissors system of like weapons efficiency and stuff like that. But your Falcon person shouldn't get hit by a bow, for instance, right? Yeah. You know, it seems to be less interested in forcing the character to think about that in the way that Fire Emblem does, where the weapons triangle really rules every choice you make. Mm -hmm. And more interested in seeing how different effects work with each other. For example, when I got the shaman, um, it recommended to me that I try using the right of rain to make it rain on the field and then use lightning after that. Um, in this fight where you have these fire traps, right. it tells you, hey, use this character's freeze ability to freeze these archers to the rooftops of these buildings and then set them on fire so they can't move. Uh, right. I never got that to pull off quite mm. right, but doing rain I and then lightning really wall, rocks. The, the I wall. use that wall to keep to like make people yeah. move in single file past uh-huh. the one open space. Yeah. And that worked. Ricardo, is that what you did? Uh, I actually like, <laughs> I held them off because they try to climb those stairs and those stairs are exactly three spaces wide and you oh, can just put the wall true. at the top of the stairs and they, they, they bunch up in a group. And then, like, that made them, once I let the wall down, they all rushed together as a group already into the mm-hmm. fucking fire zone. And boom, oh, like, it was that. fucking perfect. beautiful. That's the that's, that's the big thing I wanted to mention, too, is that it seems interested, at least tendentially at, at, at this point, in, like, allowing you to manipulate the, 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 like, space in certain ways. Like, you have this ice wall that you can bring up. And, like, when there's flammable things, you can, like, set fire to them. Uh, the, the rain, the rain plus lightning thing is that you can make pools of water that will, like, I think it adds more damage to lightning damage or something like that. Like, there's these, yeah. all these interactions that happen with yeah. uh, mostly the magic characters that are also yeah. very interesting, adding a layer on top of the just, like, also, but, like, you want to flank all the time. And, yeah. All that sort of Even stuff. Even then, too. I found myself for the non magical characters using their special abilities 
way more often than I do in games like Fire Emblem, for example, which yeah. is the one that I'm, I feel like this is, for me, mm-hmm. it feels closely related to because I played so much Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Um, where the 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 character Huette, which is a ridiculous name, when Huette was sitting on top of a, a building on her bird, I would often use instead of just bow, I would use blind bow or shadow string bow, which a uh, blind bow uh, gives the give characters blind you know blindness yeah. so that their accuracy goes down. Shadow string was like very very useful because you can just stop a character dead in their tracks; they don't move mm-hmm. when you hit them with that. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to use characters tactical abilities really to funnel them into these situations where i could just mow them down with a couple of characters and the ai is smart enough that they do that to you too which is yeah. interesting for a game like this it also has i just sort of shout out the way the the, the like abilities we're talking about they're not pulling from like a mana pool every i mean i guess they are very broadly every turn an octopath had something similar to this I want to say Bravely Default maybe even has something similar to this. It seems inspired by it. Every turn you get a like a token basically for for your given character and you trade those tokens in to do their special tactics and some of those tactics only cost one token which means you could do those every turn. Some of them cost two or three yeah. and so you end up saving you know to be like all right to do the to do the ice wall is only one but that doesn't hurt anybody. That's just an effect on the world to do like blasts like a a cross-sized part of the of the map with ice and hurt people that costs two so i have to like wait a turn but because of that i like used all of the characters who buff people mm-hmm. there's like a strategist who who can give damage buffs or who can give uh, like armor basically to people um and those are fairly cheap yeah and so i was like regularly using a buff character in a tactics game which a lot of tactics games, again, I think about something like Fire Emblem Three Houses, just don't need that. I just get that person off the map. I'm just going to crush this map anyway. This is just a matter of time. Whereas here I was like, all right, let me like, this person is in kind of a dangerous spot. Let me put a little shield on them. Yeah. And hopefully that'll keep them safe for the next turn. And like, that is not the way I normally think about most tactics games don't bring that out, you know? Right. I absolutely yeah. fell into the whole like using the uh, the shield bearer and his provoke putting bulwark mm-hmm. on him to buff him up def- defense wise and letting like a whole turn of the yeah. enemies go. And it's like, he's just taking those hits while everyone else is fucking blasting pinging from other sides. Right. right? Like you get yeah. this little cross formation where your other people are on, on the outside of the people surrounding him. And so he's mm-hmm. attacking back at all the other yeah. angles. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Like this doing provoke and then getting the thief to backstab. So it's just like, uh-huh. and, and when the thief backstabbed, um, she can do two actions in a turn also. A lot of these characters have passive abilities that make them extra special for some reason. And the thief can do, if you have her go into stealth, she can do another action afterward. So she can go into stealth, stab you in the back, and the character won't know who it is yeah. unless they're directly it's, facing it's her. wonderful. And then you can just, like, yeah, it's, it's, it is like a Rube Goldberg machine. Like, that's what it's trying to get you to do with the magic abilities and the counterattacks and all of these things. And it's really, really satisfying. I loved doing, I'm, on top of doing bulwark uh, and giving this character an extra shield, the shield guy, I would also do fire shield so that he would have a fire counterattack to physical attacks. Yeah, you know, love it. Love to burn people, which, <laughs> which like infantry soldiers are weak to. So like that stuff is all there. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I was just on Axe of the Blood God uh, a couple of a couple of uh, weeks ago. I guess like last week. And while on it, I was like, damn, I really just wish they would put put Final Fantasy Tactics on 
contemporary consoles and PC. I would love to, to play that or something quite like it again and to have this be announced right after. And I know there's lots of other tactics games, to be clear. Like, I've done my shopping. I've done my look around, <laughs> try things out, etc. But nothing scratched that itch in that way in, in quite some time. Um, and so and so to see this come out and, like, scratch that itch in the demo is is good. But, you know, again, Octopath came in short. Like, Octopath was fun for a few hours for me. And that was mostly on the the back of, like, when I'm playing a, a JRPG, I do want the story to go somewhere. Yeah. And that didn't do that. And so hopefully, I, I think that my, my standards are a little bit lower with a tactical RPG because most of the time is doing the tactics. Um, and so we'll see. But anyway, I think that we went longer on that than we thought we would, <laughs> which is telling. Yeah. Um, any other Nintendo Direct stuff to, to shout out? Uh, here's one. Uh, I did not when when they said that the that the Star Wars license was going to be broadened out from just EA. It was not a Zynga based multiplayer game. Was not the thing I was uh, <laughs> anticipating <laughs> most. When but I it was what you were Zynga. dreaming of. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Star Wars Hunters. We have nothing about it. It seems like it's a multiplayer. Maybe a battle royale. Maybe a MOBA. Who the fuck knows? The good stuff is coming, Austin. Be I know. <laughs> You do know. We do know. <laughs> I do know. You're right. I do know. Uh, but but yeah. Seeing that Zingo logo really just made me right? feel like I was back in 2008 for one second. It was really God. like a time machine is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Um, anyone else have anything they want to shout out from that event? I mean, the, the Zelda stuff is fascinating. And like I, I, I think we'll never quite know the full impact of things like COVID. Like, you know, it's hard to know is the incredible success of the switch, especially as a result of COVID has that like changed Nintendo's like, like thinking of their timeline horizon of like where the switch as a platform goes. Are they just sitting on a switch pro? They're like, yeah, like no reason to make this shit right now. Like, why would we do this when uh, the switch gets cheaper to make every day and people just keep buying it? Um, but it looks like 2021 is like there aren't going to be that many Nintendo games. Like, like I will play these re-release Zelda games. The rumor is that they're going to re-release, you know, Twilight Princess uh, and Wind Waker as well. I mm. never played Twilight Princess outside of like the first couple hours and bounced off it. And I've always wanted to. So like I'll, I'd be happy to play that. But it is like Splatoon 3. Hooray. But like 2022. And that's generous, right? Maybe that game is 2023 at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Um just like Nintendo as a company is like an interesting spot. Um, they're just they didn't release much last year, and what they released last year was like a, a rushed Mario port and uh, you know a game, Animal Crossing, which was more or less finished by the time COVID hit. Right. Um, and then like there, it's like two years of like not like not not a whole lot going on, which is. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah, I just uh, grabbed a whole bunch of indie games on my Switch that I hadn't played for a while because I had some some disposable income for a second, and then it, I decided to immediately get rid of it. And it was really remarkable. Like yet again, we're back in this situation where I love my Switch, but I'm not playing it right now because it's yeah. my job to write about video games for a living, and a lot of the games that come out on that console are just not the thing that I am driven to do the most in my work. Like, I love finally checking out Cadence of Hyrule. That game whips so hard. But it's like, I, hmm, you know, it's sort of like, why do I have this object in my house? Like, it's basically a ring fit machine for my da- for my boyfriend, for David. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm the thing that caught me off guard by the, the Zelda thing, the Skyward Sword thing is like, I definitely expected them to say here, maybe they will in their future 
you know, Skyward Sword direct or mini direct or whatever, uh-huh. but say the sort of things that that came out about um, uh, uh, Wind Waker around like, hey, there are going to be things that streamline this game right. to some degree to, to make I don't, the third act I play, less I played blah, that blah, game. Blah. There is not just like a speed up the no. Triforce collection sequence. Like, did there you is Skyward a sh- Sword require turn fee what? off? That's what they need to do. Oh, tell me what this means. I don't know what this means. Who's Fucking Fee? Fee? I know who Fee is. The, the sword. Hey. Yeah, yeah, Look. Your the, sidekick. The, that, yeah. was, that was my big problem with that that made it feel the most repetitive was that every time you restarted Skyward Sword, like you saved, turn off the console, turn it back on. Yeah. Every time you picked up an item or did anything, it thinks it's the first time you've done it in that game. Oh, my God. Every single time you save and turn off the, that game. Like that, that is what actually drove me crazy about that game was that it kept happening even once I was out of the tutorial area, which was also a little bit long. Um, Finally, was, someone uh, designs a game for my habits. <laughs> hey, you probably don't remember. Look, it would this, be a good option. Do you? I'm, I'm not like, saying it would be a good option. It would be great to have as an option, but it was just like the, the default, and it is not what I needed when I was trying to blow through that game back when it came out. Um, I personally like uh like enjoyed everything else about the game except for the like second round of repetitiveness of like some of the areas but i feel like if i for me if that one specific quirk hadn't been in it i would have finished that game instead of leaving it at like 75 percent done mm-hmm. that's too bad because like, like the, the best dungeon of the game is like the, the last yeah. like the uh-huh. tri- the triforce dungeon or whatever <laughs> i forget it's been you know a minute is like I remember, yeah, like that third of that game was like, it could have just been deleted and it would have been fine, which I don't expect them to do here, which is like, yeah. I don't think they're, that's not Nintendo's yeah. style. You don't think that they're just going to be like, yeah, fuck a third of this game. Just fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could really use like a, like a director's cut, which is just like, hey, like we've, re- like we just kind of, and that's just not what they're going to do. That's not, yeah. you know, that would no. be a full on remake and not, not what this is. Um, and it's also just not Nintendo's style. Like they're still trotting out Mario 64 and just reminding people that, oh shit, like you don't really want to play this game anymore as important as it was in the, in the canon. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see like how people, do you think the sword stuff works with the, with the analog stick? Do you think that I don't know? Work? I don't know. They had any other choice. Like they, yeah. like the way they designed the enemies in that game, you couldn't just like, just slap it on the a button. Like you couldn't just like attack. Like it, it that game was designed explicitly around directional, combat so mm-hmm. my guess is as, as much as it's like nice that they added the analog stick bits that like most people are probably going to want to i mean i'll be curious to see how it feels but like yeah. it may be the case that you still want to like disconnect those joy cons and like use the, the the motion controls that the motion tech in like the switch yeah. while like deeply underutilized is like way more accurate than the wii or the motion plus because like skyward sword was i think like how they sold helped sell the motion plus yeah. it was that and um we sports resort, uh, Wii sports, right? uh, resort. um yeah. so that's how it's come a long way they just don't really use it anymore but my guess is that'll make that like the sword combat feel a lot better because it was there were times where you just be doing it and you just like could not quite get the thing that you needed to do because the the, the, the way it captured the, the right. motion wasn't wasn't quite there but yeah i don't know i'm yeah it's such a maligned game but i'm curious to see how it is revisited for for sixty dollars, um, so I'm curious to see how they, you know, <laughs> at least Mario, they bundled they bundled those together. I, I'm guessing, yeah, dude. I'm guessing Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will actually. I, I'm guessing that 
Wind Waker and Twilight Princess will be a timed bundle where you could you only get to buy it for a period of time. For and two Skyward months, Sword will just stick months. around forever. Like that. Yeah, hey, this right. game you can pay sixty dollars for as long as you want, but you want to pay sixty dollars for Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, like you have until September, you know, thirtieth or whatever the next. Before you think better of it, sure. Yeah, I. It's absurd that there isn't a. They should put Ocarina in that also. They should put Majora's right. Mask in that also. Mm-hmm. They should, you know what I mean? Like at that point, if they're going to do it like a 3D Zelda bundle, they should just put everything in there. Well, they did tr- one of those. They did like the GameCube. They did like a really cool collection of games. Yeah. Of, of Zelda games at one point. Oh, I um, uh, yeah, that was a really good like uh, collection back in the day. I forget all the games in there, but you know, yeah, Nintendo doesn't really do. It was Majora's, no. Majora's Ocarina and the Master, mas- it had Master Quest version of Ocarina in there too, yes. I think. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm. yeah. Um, all right. I don't think there's anything else else for me in that, um, in that direct, but if anyone else, Splatoon 3, you know, well, that news is out there. This is last week's news. We don't, we're not going to yep. report yeah. on it unless we don't have things. I'm excited for Monster Hunter. You know, it is what the, it is. I mean, the small things in Splatoon, like, you know, the Nintendo's not on the cutting edge of like talking about their politics, but like the way that that game has quietly like erased gender as a concept. That's neat. Like, it's cool that they're doing shit like that in Splatoon. Mm-hmm. Sure. It seems not? like very, 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 very concerned about the uh, ecological crisis that we're currently <laughs> experiencing also. Yeah. The game is like paranoid. It's a, it's a correctly paranoid, but you can tell it's a very paranoid game about the future of the United- of like the entire Earth. You're just saying that because the world in that game has been reduced to a withering, blasted landscape where the Eiffel Tower has been <laughs> implanted into the ground upside down. And we're just oh, not talking about it. It's just there, yeah. but we're just not talking about it. Oh, and like uh, also all culture has returned into blood sport where we are literally <laughs> trading children to go to war for energy because there are no resources that actually have enough energy to power everyone at all times. Oh, and Music fucking slaps, though, don't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Turns out we got some good art in there. I'm gonna look fly as shit while I die. <laughs> shit. Um, uh, that's our podcast anyway. about the Iraq War. Uh. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some additional stuff, including, including, I guess, we'll touch on BlizzCon, but we also been playing stuff. So, BRB. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, we are back. Um, Yeah, I guess, again, events, BlizzCon, BlizzCon line. Which is a bad name happened. That thing happened where Metallica got muted, which is sweet irony <laughs> given their history with DMCA and 
How was that. God, how does that Blizzard's happen? PowerPoint presentation? I don't give a fuck. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I'm not a Blizzard person. Like I know that this makes me. This is like deeply. Pet, not petty, but it's like ungenerous. Like I should be more open hearted to the world of Blizzard. It's just never been my thing. I like played Diablo 2 with friends as a kid. And like, yeah, Diablo 2 remaster is coming. But like I've just never clicked in that way with their games. I played Overwatch when it came out with my friends. But that was like I wanted to spend time with my friends. Um, and so when I look at like, oh, here's some like Overwatch redesigns. I'm like, no, they're not. That's not what a redesign is. You That's a game about buying skins. You for your characters that more vastly redesign them weekly. Like I have seen so many diva skins where like she just turns into a different character. Yep. You're going to tell me that this McCree who has on Kevlar is a redesign. Shut the fuck up. That's not a redesign. <laughs> it's not. He has on the armor from fucking like he has yeah. on You're Metal so Gear angry. Rising armor. That's yeah. not a redesign. That's McCree. Yeah. You can like, there's like fake side boob on Widowmaker now. Guess what, homie? There been fake side boob on Widowmaker from the jump. <laughs> This is the same character. That's and that's fine. Yeah. I'm curious about Overwatch too. It's gonna be there's all this PVE focus. Oh, you're I want to see that stuff. About Sojourn. <laughs> Did she the, show up? She didn't show up this at this no, event, right? She was like, I read the the Riley's uh, preview at Kotaku, mm-hmm. uh, his write up because I was like, I'm not watching this shit. I don't give a fuck about this. I've been playing Overwatch for two hours a day every weekday for like two weeks because I've been hell of depressed. And really wanted to spend time with our, my good friend Nico Deo, who's a freelancer mm-hmm. waypoint a couple of times. And uh, she's delight. I got very good at D.Va very quickly. And also, I found out that this game is like the most toxic game you could possibly play. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but like, still? I hate, it's, it's still like that? It's really, really bad. Like at least once per game. We will have someone just go take things from zero to incredibly hostile for no reason. Mm-hmm. We've had spawn camping in gameplay. It's not just like the toxic as fuck chat. Because like one incredible thing about Overwatch is that they have a global chat that you just can't leave or mute at all. And so people are constantly just accidentally typing heinous shit into that. And you just have to read it. it just shows up on your screen. And then you're also by default added into group chat. Um team chat and match chat, which are always the most toxic places. But if you could just like turn that shit off and like have that be fine, you can turn that off and that that would be fine. Except it's also the way in that the players play is incredibly toxic and like incredibly mean and mean spirited and personal. People, I, I know that like you have to go after tanks in these games in order to create space and like get remove an element so that you can use that to create opportunities for your team to come through. But like this is at the point where like you kill players and like they make it their mission for the rest of the game to get their entire team to use all of their alts on you. Right. As like a baby diva, I've had full grown like I've had Genji use his entire alt just on me out of the mech because he was pissed off at something I did. Like it's it encourages this behavior. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it's like yeah. very fun to play with friends as sort of a team based tactical game, but you have to like make an effort. Like you will have an experience where a player will just make try to make you feel like shit for no reason, and you're like, I'm hanging out with friends. I I was playing in a game that was ranked way higher, way above my ability, and like one of somebody on our team got really angry at me for sucking really hard, and like I was apologetic. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm new, I'm trying, but they like got very angry at me and told me to go play Fall Guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, damn. It's just like that's not that's not like the worst, but it's like, why are you fucking like this? <laughs> like, I'm right, just yeah. vibing. Out of this, yeah. like, why is this? How much of this is 
driven by the fact that like there are so many multiplayer games now that are team based, but also court like because they have different roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just like okay, so like Counter Strike has is is pretty rote, uh, and anyone there's no no character classes really. It's just you choose your weapon, you kind of have your role, mm-hmm. but. A lot of multiplayer games now sort of depend on this literacy of like what your character's kit can do mm-hmm. and what the your correct role is based on your team composition and the way the map works. Rainbow Six is a game that is really cool but intimidates the hell out of me in the same way because like mm-hmm. there's a billion characters now uh, and there's really complicated mechanical interactions. But it seems on the one hand, the things that make the game really interesting also seem like they are uh, very tailor-made to slowly drive people um, just irretrievably toxic mm-hmm. whenever fa- like they co- they are confronting uh, people playing a character in the way that they don't conceive of the role as operating, right? Like where it's like, you are on my team. I expect you to do this because that is that is the matter right now. This is what characters who play this game are doing in with these team comps. And if you don't do that, that must be because you're being an asshole or you don't belong here at all. Well, this is so it's interesting to me because, you know, like like Hado, I also play Destiny 2 and I also play Apex Legends. These are both ca- games that are competitive and have character based classes. In Apex Legends, people are genuinely excited when they have a low ranked new player on their team. Because they want to carry you to a dub. Right. They want what? to do that. Yes. They want to do that. They are really excited for you. They like get whenever you show up on a team, it's because you can be useful in Apex without being good at shooting. You can be very useful. As you can spot enemies from far away, you can ping them. If you can spot, like if you are have good situational awareness, if you can spot like, oh, there's definitely someone hiding over there, or I'm getting shot at from over here, your teammates will be very grateful for you, even if you can't shoot for shit. Um, and if you can just reasonably use your if you can just like reasonably use your abilities, like know that if you want to know that when Lifeline revives people, she has a shield so she can't get shot at stuff like that, then like you will be everyone's favorite player on that team. Because not only did they get to teach you how to play a little bit better, they got you to experience winning, which is a very rare thing in that game because it's a battle royale. And in Destiny, like, Destiny is very deliberately constructed its community so that new players will find places where they are welcome. Uh, Overwatch just doesn't have, like, I feel like part of that is, like, Respawn made, wanted this game, wanted Apex to be a very welcoming game. If you look at the cast of characters, it's not just that they have, like, one black character, one representative of every region like Overwatch does. They have multiple characters of many different ethnicities with very specific and particular backstories, ones that actually show up in the game <laughs> and in interesting and meaningful ways. And in Destiny, like Bungie had an issue with its player base being toxic and they made put a, like a very they put a lot of work into making that be different. And the players themselves didn't want that to represent their community. Uh, I, God, I can probably speak to that a little bit more than I can because I came in very, very late. But that's just what it seems like from the outside. Overwatch, it just seems like Blizzard doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, it really just does seem like Blizzard doesn't give a fuck. Like, I, this is the fact I, that there is a global chat that you can't leave. Blizzard doesn't give a fuck about that. They don't give a fuck. Like, it, it's... um. I've had the banning system. Like, you can report players, but, like, they get mad. They get chat banned for, like, a week and then just come back and are toxic again. You know? There's no real penalty for being toxic. 
And Blizzard itself does not seem to want to put the work in to make sure that their community is at all welcoming to newcomers. Mm-hmm. Like, even adjusting gameplay, the the first couple games of Overwatch you play will be spent trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. That game is confusing as hell and not newcomer friendly whatsoever. I had four people in my ear just explaining what even to look at during games, and it took me a full week to figure it out. Right. God. Well, that's... That's BlizzCon, baby. <laughs> um, Diablo Tree Mastered. Yeah, thing. totally. I like that game. I played that game when I was a kid. So The Necromancer <laughs> summoning animation looked cool. I was Still like, looks that good. looks redone in a cool way. Yeah. Beyond that. Well, I, I, I like the way they're doing it, too, where you you can, it's yes. like it's built on the same code. Like, they were like, no, we're, like, we're not changing anything. Like, you can just <laughs> flick a switch and play the game in its original aesthetic, and you can just flip, like, it's just neat when games... Like, I, that's I like the that. dream they're, for for remaster or remakes for me. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, I think they're, they're you know because uh, that game's bones <laughs> are like good enough that you don't need to do a whole lot. You can do you can do it in UI and presentation without changing the the fundamentals. Um, some games I think you know benefit from a little more on, on top, but it's cool that you'll be able to just like appreciate both both ends of of that. Totally. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm down. Well, you know, I'll fuck around with that for sure. There's no date. Is there I, a date I on that? Str- and I just later, later this, this year, this year. Yeah. So this year, and there'll be some alpha tests uh, sometime soon. I also I didn't uh, check it out yet, but they're they put out some like uh, retro collection at the same time. And there was one feature that was really neat, which I guess the collection was done by Digital Eclipse, who like regularly does really mm-hmm. excellent work with these like retro collections. And one of them, and I don't know, maybe this has been nothing. I didn't notice it because I don't, I don't have to play a lot of these. But I there's a mode where you can just watch the AI play the game like Blackthorn or, or something like right. that, and then just press a button and, like, assume control. So it's just like, hey, hmm. I just kind of want to, like, have an attract mode going. And they're like, actually, you know what? Like, I want to, like, fight this boss. Like, give it a whirl. And, like, you can just jump in and start mm-hmm. playing. That's just, that's neat. I like attract modes. I wish games had Same. more attract modes. I have, I have like, loved the, <sighs> in theory, loved the idea of just, like, having a game playing in the house, like going, I want um, an Assassin's it's not a YouTube Creed video and <laughs> attract mode because that game is really pretty and it would be fun to watch Altair stalk through the streets and just kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all I could do is just turn on a let's play, like a long play, like a no, like a no that's our attract modes now, yeah. Patrick. They are, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I, I, I get it. You I, got a projector, yeah, you should just be projecting games on the wall at all times. <laughs> that's downstairs. We don't go downstairs in the winter. Mm. That's that. That room is cold. <laughs> I see. Uh, <laughs> want nothing to do with that at two degrees. Um, I will say, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that arcade co- that arcade collection, quote unquote, exists. Even though for me, like those are all console games, right? That those are all like SNES and Genesis games, right? Yeah. Rock and Roll Racing, yeah. and Black Thorn, and Lost Vikings. I guess Lost Vikings was a PC game, also, right? I think it was a originally a PC game, yeah. and then um, I guess I didn't realize that like Blizzard didn't design Lost Vikings 2, but they did the port of the <laughs> SNES version because they had like, you know console divisions. Yeah, back then they're a strange. They're, hmm. The origins of Blizzard are are strange mm-hmm. uh, relative to what they do. Now I played a lot of rock and roll racing. That game's cool. Oh, you know what? Well, I found the Blizzard that I knew and loved was Console yeah, Blizzard. Go. That's that's <laughs> the, it's weird, but that's Damn. how it works sometimes. Um. Anyway, the event's out of the way. We can talk about other shit that we have been getting into. Yeah, um, Gamergate, Iraq War, the topical <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's right. Nope. Just going to pre- – no, I reject it. You reject it? No? You're, you're I sure? I reject it. Okay. Um, God. I feel like, Patrick, we, we this is the first time that we've had you on since you can say final thoughts about 
the Super Mario, uh, what is the name? 3D World. Yeah, 3D World and Bow- plus Bowser's Fury. This is, we, ha- we haven't had a podcast since the review came out, right? Uh, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure people could pick up on it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if it's a template for the future of Mario, but I or just an experimental one-off. Like, both scenarios are really neat to me. Like, the idea that Nintendo would just kind of put out something they were, it feels like they were just screwing around with and then just added it on. Or if this is a, you know, the big idea for the, the next proper Mario game. Um, uh, either way, it, I think it's, 3D World is a direct sequel, essentially, to the 3D Land and 3D World are Nintendo reimagining, like, a, Super Mario Brothers, the original, which is like, hey, you go from the start to a finish of a course, and that's that's what you do. It's not a bunch of objectives along the way or a big space. It's like you you go to this, get to this flagpole and and get to the end. And and I think 3D Land and 3D World both like properly like kind of reimagine that in a in a really fun sense. I get why people chafe against it because that's like that's pretty against like the more open like world areas that have defined Mario, like post Mario 64. Um, and I think Bowser's Fury finds like a really fun balance between all those things. So yeah, I, I really recommend people check it out. I, it's a, that, that Mario team is continues to be one of the more exciting teams at Nintendo and, and Bowser's Fury just shows that they, it is like weird to think that you can still find interesting ways to make Mario jump. And I also think Bowser's Fury when we use the term open world, like that's been so canonized by the Ubisoft application of like the big map that I, I like when I've used that terms, people push back on it. I was like, well, you just, that's just because even in your head, you've just, oh, like Ubisoft and these objective markers are like what we mean by open world. What open world just means is like a big space. You can do whatever you want mm-hmm. in that big space. And what Bowser's Fury does, it says, what if in the big space there are a bunch of small spaces? <laughs> like yeah. that seems like a, like a, a you know, a simplistic concept, but what it does is like, it just takes like a, a bunch of small, tiny maps for Mario to play around with and puts them in a big space so that the player can at any time kind of indulge in whatever they're interested in. It also allows the designers to create a dynamic map where every couple of minutes Bowser butts in and like there are Bowser specific objectives you can do. And so you're just constantly, there's always something for the player to be doing. Um, where like, even if you fall off, you're doing an objective that's like scaling a tower well, if you fall off, well, at the bottom, there's another objective for you to do. So you don't have to scale that tower. There's no, there's not a, uh, you don't die from falling. The game just knows, hey, we've just planned that you were going to fall. And here's something else for you to do down here. And that's like a really exciting way to play the game. Um, it's just the ability to have always something to do. Um, and, and each of them are, are just really exciting and different. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend people check out some Bowser's Fury. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Rob, I know you've been, you've been getting into some stuff. What do you want to, what do you want to shout out? What do you want to talk about? Uh, my list of things for you yeah. is like a, a labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh. So I guess probably what I've been putting the most time into is, uh, just a city builder, uh, set in like the Fertile Crescent, uh, in like early history or prehistory, um, called Nebuchadnezzar. And it is, there's different flavors of city builder. Uh, This is definitely one of your optimization puzzle type city builders. Hmm. And so the entire thing is about managing two things, really. Uh, Inputs and outputs of uh, production buildings and pathing um, around various critical like delivery services. And so classic prehistory shit. 
Yeah, you know, like it you had to really think about like where is a person with a wheelbarrow going <laughs> to take these delicious loaves of bread that we've invented because <laughs> we're civilization now. Yeah. Uh so it's the the funny thing, it's been a long time since I played a game like this. Um I think the formative games like this were um like Caesar three back mm-hmm. in the day, uh where it's just entirely about unlike in, for instance, like a Sim City or something where a building has kind of an effects radius and uh you just sort of lay things out and they just kind of work. This is all very much about have I balanced my bakeries with my wheat farms? Uh are the bakeries getting the bread to the markets so that the markets can give the bread to the people so that <laughs> the people who live in the houses can be fed? Oh and God. as you satisfy the various needs of the people in these houses, the uh, the houses level up and become more dense. Uh, and so there's a lot of incentive to uh, create like, hey, do you like dense urbanism? This game is all about that because it's like your shitty sprawl housing Nobody can live in that. But like, you know, that's going to be like 30 people uh, who can work in your city. But if you get it up to like even the standard level, that's like that block of housing now has like 100 people Mm. in it. And that's like a lot of labor uh, that can sort of power up more advanced buildings. But it also means that the complexity escalates very, very quickly. And if you have a problem where like, you do not like looking at suboptimal things uh-huh. operating poorly. This game can drive you uh, very much into your worst tendencies sure. where you're like, full stop, everybody. Time I know I'm like it. this close to getting the mission objective done. <laughs> I cannot abide uh, <laughs> the the backlog of milk deliveries we've got. At the warehouse. <laughs> Everybody what? stop. We're, oh, sorry. We had a clear cut this entire neighborhood. <laughs> uh, we got to, sorry. We got to put in some more delivery facilities here. Uh, um, I, and so, it, and, and because your city evolves as it densifies, these needs will change. Like suddenly you're like, wait, why are people starving in these houses? It's because the entire delivery system was set up to serve half as many people who live there now. And so now you're like, okay, so now I need to get uh, more like bread into that neighborhood, more milk and more pottery. But you don't have that stuff in the neighborhood anymore because it's you're, you've already outstripped the capacity. So it's either got to come from somewhere else or it's got to, the neighborhood has to be sort of like redesigned to support a higher population. And the, Radius stuff is very unforgiving. Like a warehouse collects stuff as a depot and then sends it out to uh, like markets and such. The radiuses are very small. The radii are very small. And so like you don't get very long before you have to worry about, oh, shit, nobody can reach these houses. Oh, shit. This warehouse can't actually pull anything from this uh, farm. And so... uh, you have a city that starts malfunctioning very, very quickly. But when you do get all this stuff figured out, it's enormously satisfying to see like you see stuff come into the warehouse. You see delivery people take the raw materials right out to the production buildings. And like the warehouse is mostly clear. Like it goes up to capacity for like a 
like a split second and then it goes whooshing back out and you're like a perfectly tuned machine you've done it again um and it feels good but the problem is it doesn't take very long before uh you just feel like um i don't know what what's 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 the way to put this it's it's like uh it's just gone you know how like when something's really neatly packaged, something arrives in the packaging, and once you unpack it, it can never be packed up again. Like a board game you get for the first mm-hmm. time. And like you you unpack the board game. And you're like, how does this go back into the box? And the answer is nobody knows. Whoever <laughs> right. produced it the first right. place knows. You will never get that back. Um, that's kind of how playing this game feels. Where like you you're, you sort of, you take, you get a little bit into the game and you're like, oh, I need to revise this. I need to sort of adjust this. And you can't because everything you do starts throwing things off worse. Um, so it's psychological torture, but also <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, and I'm not sure where I'm going to come down. It sounds like, I mean, it actually sounds like you're already positive on it. It's just that the thing that it does might be negative to you in terms of bringing you to your worst, most obsessive uh, uh, play style. But like, Sometimes it's good to give over to that feeling and just hyper obsess over stuff that doesn't actually matter that much <clears throat> instead of stuff that does, you know? Yeah, I'm really upset about the $20 you forced out of my pocket during this conversation, Rob. <laughs> I'll forgive you in time. <clears throat> it is just like you were describing Gita Jackson food when you were talking, when you're talking about how you need to continually upscale your production and supply chains while the rest of the population scales with it, which is always something that I I spend, you know, a lot of the time in my games of Crusader Kings, an entire play session will be about designing a fortress and then also planning for the future in terms of population scaling because it's, you know, you, you have to actually make enough food for everybody or else you'll be fucked. If like one part of that supply chain breaks down, you're fucked. This is why yes. I was so concerned in February of last year right. about the coronavirus. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Cool. Well, thank you for that update on that city builder. Real I quick. Need, uh, yeah, please. One board game who's do- that's done it right. The Bloodborne board game, the base game. You open that up. There's a tray in the bottom. Everything has a spot. Everything has a place. It's beautiful. I put that thing away. Well, Cuddle, so that's very easy if they're going to send you 70 fucking boxes. No, 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 no. It's one box. The one box. The the base game. I haven't uh. opened any of the other ones. Jesus Christ. But the base game, the single base game that you can play on, you can have that and that can be the whole game for you. There's a, it's, it's a really well organized. Only board game I feel like I could put away. <laughs> we, we love the, we love the fitted trays. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I need to shout out the game that I think I've been most impressed with and most compelled by during this little break that we've taken, not a break, but you know, we didn't record an episode last week. So that's something, um, <clears throat> which is AI dungeon, a game that first <laughs> hit like blog. People start blogging about it in late 2019, but now I've revisited it and it is shockingly cool. Um, it's improved so much since then. Let me explain what it is. Um, <clears throat> Actually, you know, here I'm gonna hit new game. I'm gonna hit worlds. <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit uh, prompts. Do we want to do fantasy, mystery, apocalyptic, zombies, cyberpunk? Which one of those do you want to do? Mystery. 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 Love it. Uh, are you a patient, a detective, a spy, or a doctor? Spy. 
spy. Boom. What's our name? Ronald. I'm going to write. What did you say? Ronald? Ronald. Rob. Robbled. Got it. R-O-B-A-L-D. <laughs> Robbled. Generating story. Mm-hmm. So this is a an AI. This is this is it's not an AI based because we when you say the word AI, that means something. But it is AI based in a sense. It is it is um, a it is a limited AI that has been trained on uh, a bunch of books. Um, uh, uh, when I say a bunch of, I mean like gigabytes worth of text to understand, not to understand language, but to recognize and and be able to put out language in ways that we will recognize as being correct and understandable. Um, it's also pulling from texts uh, like um, Choose Your Own Adventure websites that it's pulled certain like um, basic ideas from, but it is basically a thing that that generates a story that then you can respond to like it's an old school text adventure game, but then will generate new responses. So you are robled, uh, robled, a spy living in Chicago. You have con- you have a concealed <laughs> pistol and a syringe of poison. You listen to the Russian diplomats and hear them discussing a new weapon, a machine that can destroy a whole army. You're told it's being tested in the desert and you'll be shipped through Chicago on its way to Washington. You're handed a uh, communique. Someone in the French diplomatic service wants to meet with you. His name is Dudar de Legree, and he works on the railways. You meet him the next day. And now we have a prompt. We can do something. We can say something. We can uh, write just loose story. We can say, like, the meeting went well, and then we went to Chicago or whatever. But for now, I'm going to just type into this thing. I'm going to say, um, um, you know, Monsieur uh, uh, de Legree, good to meet you. I'm going to hit enter and see what it says back to me. And this is the game of AI Dungeon. Um, uh, it is it is shockingly, like I said, compelling because it's the sort of thing where you're going to get a result that surprises you and maybe it's bad. Maybe the, the AI doesn't function right. But then you just hit, you hit um, retry and it generates something new. Um, uh, and so And so for instance here, uh, the first response I got here was like not good because it was clearly not about the stuff that was happening. It was like, oh, yeah, the Germans like, well, the Germans haven't shown up. Let's hit retry. But now it says uh, Dela Gray, you say in broken down back valley French, uh, which you've been practicing for years. <laughs> I want to know about one of the trains that goes through here. He frowns. You sure you should be asking me about this? Um, and from here, we can do things like I'm going to say I'm going to type do. Um, try to, I'm going to say, remember the code phrase and I'm going to type this and hit enter. And my suspicion is the AI will then write for me a code phrase, which my character remembers, except the game doesn't know what a code phrase is. Mm. It just knows that in other books, the word code phrase has shown up next to things often in quotation marks or whatever. Um, uh, and, uh, and so here's what it does. Uh, My character says, I have no alternative. I'm sorry to make trouble for you. You wait. He stares at you as if trying to read your intentions. At last, he smiles. Ah, the train from the West. Yes, you say. I want to know what time it's scheduled to arrive. It should be in about three hours, he replies. And so it it doesn't... The thing that's so weird about this thing is it doesn't know the words it's saying. It doesn't understand them, but it's still able to put together things that feel like they have something like meaning making happening there. I was playing a game with some friends. There's a multiplayer mode in this where you all play characters that have names and we were doing like a fantasy heist. And at one point we had someone, one of the characters pulled out a book 
um, to read about about how to do a heist. And it says, uh, the following rules are written in the language of the dragons, ancient Fyrish. They have been translated for your convenience. Blaskar, who is one of the characters, looks around and begins to recite them. Rule one, never let a friend get arrested. Rule two, always have a scapegoat. Rule three, always have an exit strategy. Rule four, never, ever be greedy. Rule five, make sure you're invisible. Rule six, always enter from the top. Rule seven, never pick a lock you can't break open. Rule eight, make sure you're not seen. Rule nine, always be prepared to run or fight. And rule 10, the best heist is one that doesn't happen. And it's like, (laughs) right? It knew to put the fucking stinger on the end. It put the fucking weird one at the very last one. That's like, hmm, okay, that's the thinker. What, what do we mean by that? And then from there, uh-huh. we played this adventure in which we like snuck down and the one of our players like distracted the guards by putting on a disguise and pretending to be a captain who was coming to distract the guards. And the rest of us had an adventure inside about trying to disarm magical like um, uh, explosive traps and stuff. And it is such a strange mode of play. Um, but it's like, it's like, instead of being given a single prompt in uh, like for writing fan fiction or something or writing fiction for that matter, you, you get these prompts over and over again. And half of the joy is seeing, um, the weirdness of it all. And half of the joy is seeing it just magically completely work. Um, so for, I'm going to give one more example here and then I'm going to move on. Cause I know this is like the strangest thing <laughs> in, in the world. Um, but, uh, let me let me here we go. So there's a, another one I did in which two of my friends, KB and Jack Dekeet, Jack from Friends of the Table, um, did a stream of this game in which they were God, what's the what's what's even the, the gist of it? They were in like a weird Christmas village world yeah. um, and something passed by really quick that they moved on from, which is the the mayor of the town they were in was called Mayor Oinky Mayor. Um, and they read some information <laughs> about some other characters on like fake Wikipedia. You could just ask this thing like, okay, read the Wikipedia article for so-and-so and it'll tell you, it'll generate a fake Wikipedia article more or less to read from. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in this case, we, uh, uh, I was playing with someone and we, we were like, I want to know more about this Oinky Mayor motherfucker. Generate some shit about him. And long story short, we ended up meeting with him in his, in his office uh, and, and dealing with a bunch of weird bullshit. But along the way, we, we found this conspiracy in which he was stealing money to build a statue of himself in town. Uh, so corrupt, this mayor. Classic corrupt leader shit. I'm going to steal money from the sewer people to build a statue of myself. Um, and so to stop it, we, of course, did the, the most democratic thing. We created an online poll and we, we said, all right, generate us four statue options. Um, and make an, you make an online poll uh, on the town website to see what the people would like a statue of. There are four options. That's what we typed in to the, to the AI. Um, and so I said, we read back the list of options. There are four options for the future statue of the mayor. You look them over and realize there are pros and cons of each. The first is a statue of the mayor as you know him. He's a very muscular man wearing a toga and holding a laurel wreath. Uh, the statue would likely be in the town square, which would serve as a reminder to the public of what he looked like. Then we say, okay, you read the second option. The second option is the statue of the mayor as he really is. He's an old man dressed in a robe and holding a walking stick. This statue would be in the alley behind his house. You're not sure if the people would find this appealing, but it would show the world the real man. All right, we'll we'll read the third option. The third option is a statue of the mayor as another aspect of him. He's a skater boy wearing a long (laughs) coat and fashionable glasses. Mm -hmm. You don't find this option appealing at all. 
You're serious about the whole legacy thing you have going on here, it says. I don't know what that means, but it said it. And so finally, we're like, okay, let's get a fourth option that's like not of the mayor if we can help it. So we typed, you read the fourth option, which was not a statue of the mayor, but instead something more abstract. And it replied, the fourth, the fourth option is a statue of the man's heart, a huge red heart in the middle of the city. Uh, you find this idea really appealing. The leading candidate is the first option, which receives a lot of support from the mayor. And it's like, okay. Where did you pull this shit from? Because you can, there is not, that list of stuff doesn't exist out there. There is not a list that's like these three goofy statues of the mayor and then a human heart. And it's so, there is something about it that is that is so fascinating to see work. And I think part of it is that it's so unfinished still, but the machine still, it's like having a machine that makes cupcakes, but it doesn't know what a cupcake is. It just knows the ingredients of a cupcake. And so they come out in these strange shapes. You're like, every once in a while, you get a fucking killer cupcake. <laughs> but other times you get desserts that have not been invented yet because no human would have decided to put those things in alignment in that way. Um, yeah. As a writer, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I just generated a story while you were talking, and yes. it really is incredible, the hostility this version is showing to me. I'm Gita, detective living in Chicago. I did a mystery uh -huh. story. I'm a detective. My name's Gita. Um, so the first thing, I'm surrounded by a dozen or so bad guys, all of them wielding automatic weapons. Oh, uh, my God. The wow. The first thing I said is, like, I say, is this a party, fellas? And then <laughs> what, I, what I got from this thing was, you say something stupid, like, is this a party? The men begin laughing and opening fire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you get retry, you'll get a different response and a big part of it. And also you can edit the responses, right? So like you can go in and be like, okay, this is most of the way right. But let me just like tweak it and that will then generate something new after that. Um, and that's already super fascinating. On top of that, it's so interesting to see what it's pulling from and how it shapes the narrative. Um, there was a fantasy story we did once that had a, a character in it who was introduced as, like, a terrible mean sorceress to the degree that she, like, killed everybody. Like, she turned one of our main characters into some sort of beast and then had him kill his friend and then die from beast disease, basically. And at that point, this character is this, like, rude, mean, powerful, evil sorceress, and she becomes the lead character but within like 50 new messages 50 new turns of the game she started talking and acting like a ya protagonist because the game defaults into the sort of like content that it's been fed into and so if there is a lone female protagonist at that point she's not going to be written by the ai as if she were this cruel sorceress she takes on the attitudes and the sort of like coyness of of uh, of like a YA protagonist, um, and you can do things to change that. You can go in and say like, "Hey, this character has these traits." Basically, you can make it remember certain things, and if you do that, it it kind of can keep on its toes. Um, but this is the thing that's just like, if I had played this last year, it, it would have it would have been a thing that I yelled about all year because I think that it is. Um, it's such a strange thing, and it comes out of a weird place. Like it it, it feels like um, it feels like something that is the most like garage, you know, invented thing. But I think it's actually tied to some big corporate publisher that does other shit and has thankfully given these people like not a not a game publisher, but like a big company, you know, um, and and thankfully it's given the people who do this a lot of leeway to build this weird AI system that lets you tell stories. And I think it's very cool. So Shout out! I think to I'm AI I'm Dungeon. going to uh, so recently 
Jessica, sometimes when I'm putting her to bed, be like, can you tell me a story? Yeah. And I get like legitimately stressed out. Yeah. Like I, I just, my, you know, I've told similar stories. My brain's not built for stuff like that. I was like, I can read you a story, Jessica. Like I'll do the voices. We'll go on a journey. But like I, she asked the reason I was like, I got started getting like actual anxiety. I was like, I don't Patrick. fucking know, Jessica. What do you, what story do you want me to tell you? And she's like, tell me about a story of a princess. And I get like two lines in and be like, I don't know what happens next in this story, Jessica. I don't. <laughs> like, I, I, I really don't know what happens well, next. So I'm thinking like, I'll just, you know what? Fun. I saw it's an app. Yeah. And I'll just, like, Jessica, the what's app. the prompt? Tell yeah. me what you want this story to be about. And I will, I will feed it into this AI and this will become our, That's our nightly story. Actually our nightly incredibly cute. You should go into the, go into like the, there's like a light fantasy world. There's like a, again, there's a, a Christmas world called Winter Bloom where there's a bunch of fucking cool gnomes and shit. Love it. Fantastic. We'll see what happens. I Please give her prompts and then she can, I'll, 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 I'll try and do that this week and I'll, I'll revisit what, uh, what, what story. Just, uh, you make sure that, that the safer work on. filter is on, on strict mode, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Um, any other, any other things people, I, I guess what's probably worth saying, I, Rob, you, you touched some Valheim also, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Valheim is like the thing right now. Valheim is, has blown up. I think it's probably the most popular game on steam still. If I had just to just surpass like 500 K concurrence, like blowing past like Terraria, you know, and you know, obviously at one point an extremely popular game yeah. before it became known for getting is designers banned from like a Google YouTube account. <laughs> that did um, happen, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still don't know what quite happened there. I feel like, I feel like there there's a missing story for infor- missing information. Yeah. I'm not trying to throw shade at the developers of Twitter. I just feel like something else was going on there than just, uh, cause they never, never Google never put out like a, Oh, we're sorry. We're working with it. There's just nothing, no. just nothing. Like, like, all right. All right. Peace. Corporate PR always puts out like the Weasley word, um, like, you know, thing. Anyway, yeah, Valheim is extremely popular. Made by five people. Is that true? Um, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 really cool. I'm at a place with it where I'm like recognizing the things it's doing right, but it does not have that compelling pull on me that it's gotten for my friends. And that's probably on me for not playing with my friends. Mm. Uh, but I'm just like not in that mode right now, and that's that makes it tough. Uh, survival game, Rob. You were nodding when I said all that. Is that similar to where you're at? Yeah, I mean, I get why people like these games. But they've never done it for me. Like I, just, so it's having said all that I just said about Nebuchadnezzar, where I'm yeah. like, I love managing the inputs and outputs and like plotting my little construction. The survival game in this vein does nothing for me. Where I'm like, I can't wait to get a bunch of basic goods and then craft them into intermediate goods that I can then use to craft into advanced goods. Uh And I want to do that forever. It just doesn't like, it is a very well-made one of those. It is a very pretty looking game. Um, It sort of calls to mind like uh, voxel based games that I loved once upon a time. Um, It has a structure, which is very nice. A lot of a lot of games in this vein don't where like you're kind of set in here and it's like, oh, you need there there are boss monsters that. Mm. You're going to screenshot on that real quick. He just comes back. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great Rob face. It's a great Rob face. What do you think he's talking about? What do you. So he he was talking talking about about the structure. structure. Bosses. He's going to talk about like objectives. There's objectives in this. But then what's his hang here. up? Like, where does he, where, where does he run <laughs> into? Where is he no longer blank? It's just not. I'm just wondering where, like the, what's the Rob thing. Like if we played it with him, maybe he would get, 
into it, but like he doesn't want to build the cabin. Can't figure out which cabin to build. I, maybe he doesn't like the building structure. Maybe it's like too much. Maybe the steps along the way just aren't interesting enough. Mm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have objectives, but the way you get to them is the same as every one of these games. Yeah, and then, and then you would also say, well, it's early access. It's you early know, access. like that can change. That may be you know, more you or me. I think we give ourselves yeah. that little back. We would do, do more the caveat of like, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll check back into it and never and check never back, check back, back in. in. That's <laughs> never do it. Yeah. Um. I want to play this game more. I just need to commit to actually doing it with friends so that I'll have a good time instead of just. I've enjoyed watching what people build in it. Like I, I, yeah. I'm realistic. I'll never play yeah, this game, not, and I'm Patrick okay with that. Um, yeah. But I like I like watching like what people have gotten into. Yeah, um, yeah, um, into it. Like people have built some fun little oh, communities. There goes Rob. Uh he's gone. It looks like we're not going to get Rob back. Uh, the internet just died up there. Apparently. <laughs> um. Anyway, I, I, you know, I think I think we did a good job approximating what Rob said. Uh, yeah. I Rob, you, Rob, Rob. Uh, write in and let us know. Um, <laughs> did we accurately predict your thoughts and caveats? Uh, that's uh, gaming um, at fight. There's stuff here that I think is really fucking cool. I think the oh, Rob's back. Rob. Hello? Yo. Hello. Wow. Hi, you made it. <laughs> Rob lives. Hashtag Rob lives. Hashtag Rob lives. Did your recording continue? It was just the internet? Yeah, of course. Uh, welcome back. I don't I believe you. Uh, we made some guesses <laughs> about what you were going to say, and now we can just hear what you're going to say directly. Tell us what you're going to really, say. Really, I think we should just leave you that think we should just leave it in. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. We, we got you covered, basically, Rob. Yeah, don't Rob. We finished the discourse <laughs> about it, basically. Um, I think the zones look nice, and I want to play with some friends to see if that is, like, the secret juice I need to really end up liking Valheim versus just kind of like recognizing that things like, Hey, you don't need to repair your, your tool. You're repairing your tools is free is like, yeah, awesome. I'm thrilled about that. When I upgrade my tools now, I don't have to worry about going to get the super supplies to repair them back to that level or whatever. Um, great. Love it. But I, uh, but I definitely, I just need that. I think I need to, to force myself to do the social component of it, which can be hard because, being social is difficult. Mm. Um, uh, I'm very much in hibernation mode right now. And that's not the same as like having goofy fun with my friends as Vikings. That's the opposite. So <laughs> we'll see. This is becoming um, a little burrito in the blankets in your bed. That's that's the mode I'm in right now. For real, for real. Oh, that sounds so good. Um, anyway, that's Valheim. I, I, I will try to check back in with it because it seems to be such a thing that like – I, one of us should one of us should be playing Valheim in a bigger way. To I mean, that's to, always the thing that I find fascinating is like it's like trying to nail down like okay, wh- at what point did the culture decide? Okay, Val, Val all right, Valheim. And is, is it Valheim because it is. Valheim did? Is it because like it reaches a uh, like a certain number of streamers are playing it? Thus, in order to be like featured properly on Twitch, you need to get in on Valheim, which then like feeds in. Like, I mean, like, I'm just right, so right, curious because right. this happens yeah. all the time, and there are like a million reasons why a are game, like, me? that's <laughs> hi, Rob. We can hear what? you still, yeah. He's the- <laughs> <laughs> that was, I didn't, Hello, I didn't, so I, is this what Rob does when I'm like make, trying to make a point and then he's just like under are his breath, like, muted and be like, I've never heard you make one. <laughs> Um, ah! No, it's I got booted out of the Discord uh, call on my phone because my internet came back and it just logged ah, me in, but then logged me I out see. of the other session. Mm. Anyway, you're here. We we're good. We I think we I think we summarized what we expected you to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I guess Rob or Kato has the recording from Rob, right? So yeah, you know, Rob's typing. 
Yeah, make sure make sure and mix it, that up real good. I'll Gatto. figure something out. Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, all right, we should just we should just. This is we're cursed now. We're losing. We don't have Rob yeah, I anymore. Think we, I think maybe we need to. Call, we, I think we need to call. No, it. We just need to call you, it. You have me. No, it's done, Rob. We've lost you. We've lost us. <laughs> wow. Wow. We're all lost. We're all lost. Everything's out here. lost. According Everything's to lost. Austin, I mean, take a look at the world. How take wrong a look is that? At the world. You know. It's almost a year since we've been locked up, right? Oh my god! Since we've been in here. Um, <sighs> all right. Any any final thoughts before we wrap up this podcast? La- right. Being a landlord's not a real job. That's all I have to say. It's just not what? a real Excuse job. Me? What is being a what landlord? Just just not a real job. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Also, yeah. Gita is having some fucking situations <laughs> with, with construction to two in the house contractors full that, on have a conversation in the basement apartment of my house where i can hear literally every single word <laughs> god, god. Um, well, it's not an apartment you, yet yeah but they hope with enough jackhammering <laughs> yeah patrick wishes yeah. he had a landlord that's how that's I would a, say a home consultant <laughs> um, i want someone to talk about you know the cracks in the cement in the back and the stairs that need repair. What do I do? What am I? What, what are my options? Um, I do have two quick things on emails, really quick. This first one comes in from Cody, and we need to read this. Gaming at at at, uh, or sorry, yeah, gaming at vice dot com is the address. That's correct, right? <laughs> he says with with. It's been so confidence. long. Uh, hi all, Patrick. Please explain the Snyder Cut four three to us. Explain why it's a, a square, Patrick. Patrick doesn't know. Well, uh, Zack Snyder himself said it's basically a big square, and so I rest uh, my case. <laughs> also, Kato, that was so dismissive. You were like, Patrick doesn't know. I've never heard you with that tone. <laughs> wow. Kato, are you just like a Snyder Cut defender, Kato? Kato, are you secretly a, Sny- a hashtag Snyder Cut person? I've never seen a, a single DC... Wait, that's not true. Uh, I haven't seen anything... Uh, a single DC movie since uh, what was it? Rise, the last Batman. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Nolan. Yeah, Dark Knight yeah, Rises. I yeah, I did bong rips and watched uh, Batman v Superman with my friend Donald, but like that was the last time that we watched anything, anything DC. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Um, it looks like a big bad. square, and it doesn't yeah, look good. It looks like there's he's using too much of the square. Yes, so yes. I think it's just it's profoundly funny that a, that a, that a, that a cut. Uh, uh, of this movie, like whatever, good for him to finish. Like it's yeah, fine. He yeah, went through a real whatever. tragedy. Whatever yes. you think about the, yeah, you absolutely. know, the culture that, that developed around him. Um, that he encouraged. So you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, that uh, like it was the, the Snyder Cut came out of COVID. Like it was it was pr- put into production during COVID. It was approved during COVID, and like the 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 allure of the IMAX full frame. It will now be released in COVID, in which nobody is going to see this in IMAX, and so it would just like look kind of awkward. Yeah. It's like due to the commitment of the the IMAX cut. It's just it's just funny and goofy, it, and it looks kind of like a square. And I I, I remain committed to uh, the square discourse uh, around around the Snyder so, cut. So um, folding ideas on YouTube has a very long video about what. Like technically, like why the saying the Snyder cut was something that existed is like both tech is like a Schrodinger's cat situation, and that every movie has like a three to four hour cut of just yeah, the like assembly assembly cut, cut right? of Isn't just like yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know what we're talking about. It's it's no editing. Yeah. It's literally just like we took like a All version the, of the dailies and right. like put it together according to the script, yes. but like without any sort of like uh, so, 
the creative process of, of, of editing We're it just down. about to see the most maximalist, like overwrought, overthought mm-hmm. piece of cinema that could possibly exist. It reminds me a lot, actually, of this thing. We used to do PowerPoint parties, me and my friend. You know that movie, me and my, my boyfriend and our other friends? That movie um, that The Deer Hunter that won the Academy Award in mm-hmm. for its like, very ahistorical and wildly racist portrayal of the Vietnam War. The follow up to that film was hugely expensive and took like multiple years to produce. And the, the, the cast and crew just ended up basically moving to a town and just living there and like shooting random shit every day. Heaven's Gate is the name of this movie. And it, it really feels like this same approach where they're like, well, he's a visionary, so let's just give him everything he literally wants. Like, sometimes that shit is mess. Like, sometimes you need an editor. This it's true. Me, That's what some, movies are. I'm handing over 3,000 words of typing to Rob Zachney. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fix it! <laughs> um, I... <clears throat> I uh, uh, just wanted my second thing is not actually reading one of these things because there's there's too many of them uh, and all of them are unsurprisingly super long. But I wanted to thank everyone who sent me Mass Effect remaster romance questions. Uh, I've read them all and everyone has good opinions, especially the people who tell me they like the Mako like me. Um, I would say that Yo, I the, would say the majority of the people who wrote in said, sorry, what's up, Kato? The Mako is just in Final Fantasy seven. And it's just the thing you get early. Well, I li- I'm playing the original Final Fantasy VII, and you get a vehicle in the early part of that game where I'm at. That is just car. the yeah. the Mako. It is just the Mako. Mm. Come on! Mm. It's got six wheels. It's got the weird shape. It's a Mako. I guess uh, I see it. It's the only Mako in that game because the rest of it's Mako. It's Mako. Yeah, the rest of it's Mako. Yeah. <laughs> um... I can kind of see it. It would be very funny if in Final Fantasy VII Remake 2, they just put the, the Mako in. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, they, they were putting uh, all, all sorts of Mass Effect stuff into, like, uh, was it the Lightning Return, like the Lightning ones. The oh, did they Final have? Fantasy, whatever. What? <laughs> yeah, they put N, they put N7 uh, shit in, into there. Oh, my God. Uh, there were a bunch of, like, collabs. That's um, very funny. Um, anyway, so thank you all for sending that in, uh, for sending those in. Um, uh, they're incredibly good answers. I was going to say the, the biggest thing actually that, that came through for, for most of them, if I could like summarize what I read, it's like, Hey, I've changed a lot. In some cases, it's like, I'm gay now and would want to play a gay, you know, uh, shepherd or I'm out now to myself even. Um, and, and, or it's like, Hey, I would love to play as a woman now. And, but that would mean not getting to romance the character who I want to romance because, Despite being super queer coded, in fact, despite being canonically bi, like you can't date Jack as a woman in those games. Um, and so that ends up being a tricky thing. And so like I, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see people's real-time responses to that, to that to that series if they replay them when that remaster hits. Because I guess I I forgot that that's one way to force yourself into a corner is to yeah. like yeah, I played as male shepherd. Like if I flip that around, then there are just design choices that will for change your relationship to, choices to play throughout that whole series. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. totally. For one, you could date Garrus, who is great and, you know, is one of the best characters in a Bioware game ever just because he's cool as shit. Just so, want to be comforted. Yeah, exactly. Hug me. Please hug me, Garrus. With your, like, <laughs> weird bird lizard scale face. I'm, I'm down. Let's go. 
Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for us this week. Kato's just in here pasting images, trying to it bolster doesn't look it. Like no, it just look, look at it. It doesn't. It, just has a, it has eight different fucking It just has wheels. wheels. It's got, it's got wheels. an extra oh. wheel. It's got <laughs> wheels. It's a makeup. Yeah, Kato. Oh my, it's on. got wheels. It's a makeup. It's a makeup. <laughs> Kato, you're off on this one, homie. God I love damn you. It. This is not, it's not, it's not. It just makeup. has one extra wheel it. and some rockets on the butt. Two extra wheels. If it had one extra wheel, that would be a bad car. Um, and yeah, it has rockets on the butt. That's a big difference. Whatever. It's the same shape also, on like, the front and the mid. It's got the little. It's not the same shape on the front. It's a different shape on the front. It's a little pointier, it I guess. Cut what off its nose. It narrows. Yeah. God you damn know. it, it's a makeup. You would never say, if you saw these two things as pants, you would never be like, those are the same pair of pants. Like, no, one of them narrows to a point at the bottom. That's weird. These just narrow to a little. Well, this you is know, just the Mark gotta, One or whatever, right? Before they sanded off some of the weird extra bits, you know? They they, they simplified, and, you know, that, that's how you got the Mako. <laughs> this is, yeah, this. Oh, okay, that's the difference between Mako and Mako. I see. All right. Uh, as always, you can send your questions to gaming at vice.com. Use the subject question, otherwise it will get lost in the huge mess of other other stuff that comes into this, like this King's Bounty 2 trailer. What year is it? What? What? King, isn't King's Bounty 2 from forever ago? Or am so I, I had this exact series? reaction. The answer is no. They made a million expansions, but they never made a King's Bounty what? 2. Oh, interesting. I also think, remember, okay. King's Bounty The Legend was different than King's Bounty. And that's so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Great. Awesome. Anyway, um, that's what's in our email. Yeah. I have some really breaking important black person news for you, though. Thank you. Um, please. They freed Bobby Schmurda. Oh, word. Yeah. He's out of jail. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for that next mixtape. <laughs> Let's too. go. Damn. Can wrote, we just put hot nigga at the end of this? We can't. He'll sue us. We can't uh, do that. We can't. He'll come for but, us with a gun because that's what he's God, known what to if, do. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Um, what if instead of the Bowen music at the beginning of this uh, uh, podcast, uh, we just put the the like air raid sirens from the beginning of Hot Nigga? That would be <laughs> the best. That song is still fire. <laughs> it's still fire. I've always said if I ever have to do a real life like WWE entrance, that's my yeah, end. That has to absolutely. be that entrance music. Absolutely. It's just too powerful. Damn. Free Shmurda. Now all they have to do is give us free school and free health care. And then my, my trio of three things I wanted to be free will be complete. Yes. Um, all right. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Rob, where can people find you? At Rob Zachney. Gita. At XOXO Gossip Gita. Kato. At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And Patrick. At Patrick Klopik. Thank you to Bowen for letting us use a track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. I'm laughing because like we can't use a Bobby Schmurda track. <laughs> Cannot. Uh, find out more about, about Bowen at uh, waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can follow uh, everything we do, twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint.vice.com. We'll have another Reset Duo coming later this week. Look forward to that. I forget what these episodes are. <laughs> the last double was really good, though. The last one, if, you sk- if you're skipping these because you're like, ah, I just want to hear the people I know from Waypoint, this past Friday's was me, Gita, and Dexter for one of them, and me Patrick and Dexter for the other uh, both of those conversations I think were really good so um, you know go listen to those those are really good we'll be back uh, next week also afterwards for just a regular episode so look forward to that until then fuck capitalism go home peace
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right. 367? 366? I forget. Kato? What? 367. 376. 376. 376. Oh, I was like, yeah. that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My internet was out just long enough to fuck up that entire segment, though. That's the no, thing. It came fine. back we, like, right away. No, 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 no. no Rob, we saved it. Don't. You're good. You're yeah. good. There, there will be some version of this where Kato, I don't know, he'll figure out some magic. But yeah. we speculate. We, we had your discourse for you. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's a good bit that I will enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> we roast ourselves a little bit too, so don't worry. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, I think was, yeah, I think we actually were meaner to ourselves than we yeah. were to your opinions. Now so. that yeah, we totally. can look at this image of Montague Kane from Batman next oh, to this image I, of Rob. It's incredible. <laughs> That's Rob's act. That's Rob. Except we can tell this guy is, is evil because in the show he's disrespectfully horny to Satana, and I know that Rob would not be Rob like that. Rob would never be like that. No. You'd want to talk to Zatanna about how he does all her tricks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My my admiration for Zatanna is pure. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of course. I forget. She's like an ex of Batman's, right? Yeah. In the. That feels totally fucked up because, like, she makes sense for Dick Grayson to know. Yeah. She okay. So in the cartoon, mm. they established that Batman trained under her dad as John oh. Smith, and he was like, "Okay, John Smith, I'll let you hang." And she had like a little sister esque crush mm. on him, and oh, he see. was like trying to get with him, but he didn't take it seriously because he was trying to avenge his parents by eradicating all crime by that dressing like a bat. Yeah, always the Batman sure. story. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. just ships passing in the night. One of them going toward. Either a career in super villainy or regular life, and the other going to a quest for vengeance. Yeah, yeah. In the the show, though, a lot of the motivations for the super villains become vil- becoming villains. Like two so far, it's just losing their job, <laughs> and I just feel like that yeah. actually that feels very true to life to me. If I lost my job, I would become the Riddler, aka <laughs> just an annoying guy that's very pedantic. <laughs> The Clock uh, King is definitely a dude who got like laid off, right? And he like, was late to work and got laid off. <laughs> this is going to make me into the Clock King, I say, yes. as I as I fill a cardboard box with my shit from my office. <laughs> this um, is the thing where a lot of times, like Batman, you can just stand aside and let this person like settle their score, and then they'll yeah. be done. gone. You yeah. will never be able to. This is the again. one yeah. thing they're doing. This is basically a crime of super passion. If you, you just know? let the scarecrow to, like harass Gotham State University, they probably deserve it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'll be done. It's fine. Just In one episode. He's just let Clayface deep. kill Roland Daggett, <laughs> and then let's see. No one yeah. cares about Roland Daggett. Fuck Roland Daggett. He's you know, bad. It's fine. Uh, in one episode we watched recently, Scarecrow is just doing petty. Like, he's just doing straight fraud. Like, he's using the scare toxic so <laughs> to just so scare famous, famous athletes who are favored to win in betting <laughs> so that they lose. <laughs> and then he takes like, uncut gems except he has fear toxic. <laughs> 
it's incredible. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I highly recommend this. Anyway, I'm, I'm leaving lunch. now. All right. Peace. Bye. Later, everybody. Bye-bye. Anyway. Well, always typing. He's typing. I hope he didn't crash. Yeah. yeah his internet crash. Mm, no good. We should just, we'll just finish out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tell him to not, not, not sweat it. Great. I just want to make this easy for you, Kato. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So as long, if it's even easier, that'll be even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to do a, a clap? Yeah, we go time that is. Oh my God. Time it's been a minute. Clap. Clap, clap. Uh, are we all there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Do... No, we're not. Oh, okay. Yes, we are. <laughs> let's, let's do. Uh, let's just do forty. All right.